All right, glad you're with us. What a busy news day we have today. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of uh, this extravaganza. Crowds massive now forming in Louisville, Kentucky, as the grand jury has made its decision uh, regarding the three officers involved in the case of Breonna Taylor. We'll go through every bit of specificity involving that. Wow, what a blockbuster interim report by Senators Ron Johnson and Senator Charles Grassley as it relates to Hunter Biden. It's much bigger than we ever thought. Ukraine, Russia, China, and other countries as well, including specific individuals from these countries. We're going to break down their their report. It is devastating to zero experience. Hunter, more money than we even imagined. Um, We have an update on the Supreme Court. Uh, we've got a lot of people joining us today. Ted Cruz, Bill O'Reilly, John Solomon, Greg Jarrett, Peter Schweitzer, you know, first broke the whole story of, of Burisma and secret empires in China and all these other deals. Um, and it's just a lot to get to. Let me first go to the grand jury decision. Three, now, let me well, first, let me go through the, the facts of the case and bring you up to speed in case you don't know. Um, this is a tragedy through and through. What you have is a person who would be considered in every way imaginable when we say you're a great American. You know, the people of this country make this country great. That would that defines the life of Breonna Taylor. Somebody who was an EMT, somebody who who stated who stated purpose was that she wanted to serve her fellow man and women, obviously. She wanted to serve people. It was her calling to save lives, working not one but two full-time jobs. Um, It was a case where police had a no-knock warrant. They had the wrong address. This makes my blood boil, this part of the story, because I've still not got an answer. Even all throughout today as we've been watching, you know, a lot going on. We have not got an answer. Why did they have the wrong address? Now, a no-knock warrant means, okay, cops pull up to the door, they, they bang down the door, they rush in, and the idea is that it might be a dangerous situation. They'll go in with their guns drawn. That's part of what police work is. It's a, a fairly normal procedure, but you got to get the right address. I mean, I, and I'm yet to hear who sent them to the wrong address. I don't understand it. Um, so So then from there... Brianna Taylor's boyfriend is wakes up out of a, a deep sleep. And then Brianna Taylor woke up. They think that they didn't break any laws. They didn't know it was cops. Now, there was one, according to the D.A. who spoke later, there was one fact that came out that there was a a civilian witness that said that they heard loudly the cops identify themselves. That just came out today. Um, but I'm trying to give you the whole objective picture here. Just what the facts are. So. There's a legal firearm that Brianna Taylor's boyfriend has, thinks people broke into his house, apparently doesn't know in his mind, then said since he didn't know it was the police. He didn't break any laws. He's not a drug dealer. This, 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 you know, um, you know, no knock warrant that they had did not include, uh, you know, they thought it was going to be a drug case. There were no drugs in this apartment. They were in the wrong address. We now know that as a fact. Uh, then one of the officers is shot. Gunfire, you know, 
it ensues thereafter. Um, Brianna Taylor is struck eight times. She was in the bedroom eight times. She dies. Uh, he survived the boyfriend. The cop was survived as well. And this is about six months ago. Now a civil settlement has taken place in this case, meaning that the city paid out the city of Louisville. I think it was 12, 13, $14 million. I don't remember the exact figure off the top of my head. And the grand jury was convened. Now, the DA of um, uh, came out earlier today and explained that they told all of the grand jury. Remember, in a grand jury case, that does not mean you're guilty. It means that the grand jury is, is deciding whether to charge the officers in this case. And they went through all of the possible charges for the officers involved in the case. For example, you know, when and if a grand jury considers their fate, it has an option of indicting on any of four degrees of homicide from reckless homicide to murder. The 12 grand jurors were told all these options. They were told they can also consider the charge of wanton endangerment, deciding that one or more of the officers knowingly acted in a way that created a substantial danger of death or serious physical injury to another. Now, the panel also could elect to return no indictment at all. Apparently, for the other two officers, that was their decision. The Attorney General Daniel Cameron could choose not to present the case to the grand jury, make the decision himself. But anyway, they brought it to a grand jury. Uh, by Kentucky law, the votes of nine of 12 grand jurors are required to return an indictment. I'm just giving you the background, giving you the law here so you understand. Now, the four criminal homicide options that were presented to the grand jury are murder, and that would include sentencing options, including the death penalty or life without parole or life with parole eligibility in 25 years or 20 to 50 years in a, in a capital offense. Uh, that would be another one of the four murder options. Charge options would be manslaughter in the first degree. That penalty, class B felony, 10 to 20 years and that would be a person is guilty of first-degree manslaughter when with intent to cause serious physical injury to another person. He causes the death of such person or third person and does so under the influence of extreme emotional disturbance. Uh, the third option, again, this would be the four criminal homicide offenses of murder, would be manslaughter in the second degree, a Class C felony, which, is, which carries a penalty of five to ten years. And that would be a person is guilty of manslaughter, second degree, when he wantonly causes the death of another person, including but not limited to the death resulting from the operation of a motor vehicle. The last one would be in this category, reckless homicide, and that would be one to five years, class D felony. Person is guilty of reckless homicide when they recklessly cause the death of another person. And recklessness is the key element involved in the crime, acting, uh, someone acting reckless when the person fails to perceive a substantial and un unjustifiable risk that should have been apparent. Now, remember, the cops, the cops, no knock warrant, knocked down the door. Brianna Taylor's boyfriend didn't break any laws. He's, they're in the wrong. They're in the wrong apartment. He has a legal firearm. He thinks he's, you know, somebody's in there to kill him and his girlfriend. Boom. He pulled out his legal weapon and shot, hit the cops. Cops fire back. Brianna Taylor struck eight times. She is sadly dead. It is it breaks. It, it's got to break your heart. She defines what it means to be a great American in every way. And, and her life is is amazing. Actually, her, her own words are amazing.
Um, so now the other charges now go to a different degree and that there are two wanton endangerment charges in Kentucky. One wanton endangerment in the first degree, one of five years, class D felony, a person guilty of wanton endangerment in the first degree under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life. He wantonly engages in conduct uh, which creates a substantial danger of death or serious physical injury to another person. The next category would be a wanton endangerment in the second degree. Let's go to the reading of the charges from earlier today, this, earlier this afternoon. The above-named defendant, Brett Hankison, committed the offense of wanton endangerment in the first degree when, under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to human life, he wantonly shot a gun, a gun, excuse me, into the apartment occupied by initials C.E. Count two, wanton endangerment in the first degree. On or about March 13th, 2020, in Jefferson County, Kentucky, the above-named defendant, Brett Hankison, committed the offense of wanton endangerment in the first degree. When, under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to human life, he wantonly shot a gun into the apartment occupied by initials C.N. Count three, wanton endangerment in the first degree. On or about March 13th, 2020, the Jefferson County, in Jefferson County, Kentucky, the above-named defendant, Brett Hankison, committed the offense of wanton endangerment in the first degree when, under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to human life, he wantonly shot a gun into an apartment occupied by initials ZF against the peace and dignity of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Mr. Foreperson, is that the decision of the grand jury? Thank you. So that is the decision that was handed down today uh, in this particular case. Now, we have been watching minute by minute now these crowds growing in Louisville. Uh, It's getting scary. Many I have seen many people. uh, I've seen people with baseball bats. I've seen people with long rifles. Uh, The crowd is getting bigger. Uh, Out come the bullhorns. I've seen a lot of that, a lot of restlessness. And there is a curfew that is supposed to go into effect at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight in Louisville. And to the best of his ability, the attorney general, you know, laid out, you know, everything before the grand jury. That is our legal system. Is it perfect? No, but I can't think of a better one. Our legal system frustrates the living hell out of me. I I believe we have a dual justice system in so many ways. I think one of the biggest successes of Donald Trump has been to end disparate sentencing with criminal justice reform. Because there was disparate sentencing, you know, as it relates to, you know, all right, well, you have cocaine in a powder and cocaine in a rock. It's still cocaine. And okay, maybe one's more highly addicted. I don't, I just don't, I'm not in the drug culture. I don't understand all the, I just know it's, it's dangerous and it'll kill you if you get in that world. Um, and, but there was, there was disparities that have now been rectified and president will never get the credit for that. The other thing that we've got to understand here is that, you know, there, there are a lot of people have weighed in on this case. I always maintain my, I don't rush to judgment. I, I, I don't, I believe in due process. I believe in a presumption of innocence. I believe the facts have to be presented. 
And if you can't get nine of 12 in a grand jury where only one side of a case is presented, the the defense does not mount their case. This is only the prosecution. What maybe people's expectations have been in this case are blown out of proportion. We saw that in Ferguson. We saw that in Baltimore. We've seen that all the time. The politicians race out there, you know, politicize something. and They don't know anything about it. So same with the media mob. And what I've learned, and I've told the story many times about the Richard Jewell case, why we were right about that and right about Ferguson and right about UVA and, and right about Baltimore and right about Duke lacrosse and right about all these cases when everyone else is wrong because I don't rush to judgment. The grand jury heard every detail of this. This is what they, they, nine of 12 at least decided. If you couldn't get them, now they were presented with all the other options. Now the question is, do you have faith in that system? Many do not. That's fair. You're allowed to make up your own mind in America. But that's the process, as was explained. Uh, Leo Terrell, by the way, I think the perfect guess for that. He's a civil rights attorney, sued cops a million times in his career for abuse, and uh, I'm dying to get his take on it. We have Ted Cruz today, Bill O'Reilly today. This is Blockbuster from Burisma, the latest on the Supreme Court, uh, and I'm in the swamp. So I just noticed this on uh, Google, that I, and it does give, it's called Why Were Police at Breonna Taylor's Home? And there is an investigative summary, and, and what it says is the following, is that Brianna's ex-boyfriend, ex-boyfriend now, uh, Jamarcus Glover, Glover, was a known, quote, drug dealer and listed Brianna's address as his own. And the warrant cited five pieces of information establishing what the police said were probable cause. Mr. Glover's car making repeated trips uh, between the trap, what they call a trap house, and Miss uh, Taylor's home. And her car's appearance in front of this other, I don't want to give the address, on other occasions, surveillance footage of him leaving the apartment with a package in mid-January, postal inspector's confirmation. Mr. Glover used her address to receive the parcels uh, and database searches indicating that as of late February, he listed her apartment as her home. Um you know, it's it, it just I, I, I just look at her life and look at the postings and what I've seen. But anyway, so there was misinformation shared on social media suggesting the officers showed up at the house and the, the, the search warrant had been signed by the circuit court judge um, with her address. But this Google dot com piece uh, said that Brianna Taylor was not the main target of the, of the narcotics investigation, which initially centered around other individuals accused of selling drugs. And then the report's author, which was a detective in this case, um, who secured the warrant uh, for the, this home and for suspected drug houses. So it was about, I mean, it was a no-knock warrant is what they call it. Um, I don't, what does it say? abolition now more people with guns yeah, i guess it's defund the police all right quick break we'll come back more breaking news straight ahead 25 now till the top of the hour we're in the swamp we're in dc uh let me go back to this usa today page i had not seen it originally and i you know we were digging deep digging deep i don't know why i buried it at the bottom of my pile today um anyway so there what the headline is why were police at brianna taylor's home 
here's what the investigative summary says. All right, so I missed this part of it. I apologize. I want to get sure I get, make sure I get this right. And and why, in other words, why did the police have the search warrant for the address? I got that part wrong. We always like to correct things. And we do it in a very spectacular fashion, unlike the mob and the media, because we, we always want to get it right. Um, anyway, so police had the search warrant. It was signed by a circuit court judge. And it was the right address. Let me just clarify that point. I, I stand corrected. Um, now, the eight-page report reinforced that Taylor was not. She was not the target of a narcotics investigation, which initially centered around other individuals accused of selling drugs. The report's author, uh, a detective in this case, secured the March 12th warrant for Taylor's home and four suspected drug houses. We know what it's like in drug houses. Okay. So then it showed that the police in Louisville, the new place-based investigation squad, spent about two and a half months conducting heavy surveillance. Now, with surveillance, I'm sure it comes with that, videos and, and pictures, et cetera, et cetera. Then Taylor was linked to the suspects in that investigation, according to the report, because a car registered in her name stopped in early January at one of the properties being watched Moreover, it stated that Jamarcus Glover, a convicted drug dealer and a former boyfriend, had picked up a package at her home January 16th while police were watching him. And it was Mattingly, the officer who shot at Taylor's apartment, who asked the Postal Service whether Glover was receiving packages at Taylor's apartment. And they wrote in that sworn affidavit for a search warrant that he had verified through the postal worker that Glover was receiving packages at Taylor's home through a postal inspector uh, from Louisville. Um, and then the postal inspector later to- told the, a news station that that wasn't true. And then Glover listed Taylor's home on his address on a Chase Bank account and a search warrant for the account was executed on March 19th, six days after the death. Glover listed Taylor's phone number as his when he filed a complaint against a police officer for a parking violation. It just gets, it gets complicated. Um, I, you know, I, I'm just giving you this, all of this, and that was the piece I was missing, and I apologize. Uh, but everything else, you know, this was, this was now all put together. This is now how we ended up. Now, this was all presented before the grand jury. Every charge option was presented before the grand jury. And that is what they said. By the way, let's go. Apparently, the president is speaking about the Supreme Court. Let's dip in and listen. I th- oh, he can do it very easily. He can very quickly. From what I heard, he doesn't even have to hold a hearing. He wouldn't have to hold a hearing. He's going to, I would think. But, but he, yeah, he, he wouldn't even actually have to hold one. And, you know, most of these people are young and they just went through the process. You know, many of them just went through the process recently. So it's not like, gee, let's look at papers that are 15 years old. No, I think the process is going to go very quickly. Uh, the hearing, I think Lindsay's going to call the date of the hearing as soon. You can't call it until you have the candidate. And once we have the, uh, the nominee, I will, uh, you know, I, I will wait to hear what the date is. But from that point, I would think it would be fairly quick. I, they're all extraordinary people i can't imagine it could be anything else and and the republicans i mean you saw them as well as the republicans most of them have already made their intentions very clear even josh 
So I think that uh, that's a tough vote, right? <laughs> so I think I think we're in great shape. But let me ask you that question, Josh. Uh, John's asking a question about uh, timing and all. Uh, we have we have nothing but time. Yeah, John. I think I think absolutely we can't get it done. We can do it uh, even with a full complement of hearings. I think that you know the president just alluded. Justice Stevens was confirmed in 19 days. Justice Ginsburg was confirmed in about 40 days. Uh, we've got the time to do it. We've got the wherewithal to do it. And um, I think we should have a vote before the election for the reasons the president articulates. And uh, I think we can get it done, and we will. Mr. President, do you believe that justice was served in the Breonna Taylor case in Kentucky? And what is your message to the black community who believe that perhaps justice was not served yeah. by the decision that was rendered by the grand jury in Kentucky? Well, my message is that I love the black community, and I've done more for the black community than any other president. And I say, uh, with the possible exception of Abraham Lincoln, and I mean that with opportunity zones and with uh, criminal justice reform, with pr uh, prison reform, with what we've done for historically black universities, colleges, schools, what we've done. It's uh, nobody's done more. Abraham Lincoln, let's give him the nod. But beyond that, nobody's done more. I love the black community. Uh, I don't know enough about it. I heard a decision was just made. Uh, we've been together here, and so we haven't discussed it. But after I see what the decision is, I will have a comment on it. Okay? Thank you all very much. Thank you very much. Pretty true to the headline that we mentioned about 15 minutes ago. President, uh, speaking about the Supreme Court, Democrats now. Looks like Biden isn't the only top Democrat who may not be able to handle the job. Um, apparently, Democrats are fearing that Senator Dianne Feinstein, ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, is not up to the task of leading the party's efforts to stop Senate Republicans from confirming uh, President Trump's Supreme Court choice. Well, this has happened 29 times. How many times do I have to repeat this? 29 times in election years. There have been vacancies on the Supreme Court all 29 times. Presidents have nominated replacements for the Supreme Court. Now, we got lectured often by Obama and Biden that elections have consequences. Well, they can come, but they got to hang out in the back. I remember once famously Barack Obama said, OK, well, we won. In other words, you lost. Well, Democrats, they lost the presidency and they lost the Senate. Now, 17 of 19 times when it was the same party in the White House, same party in the majority in the Senate, 17 and 19 of those justices were confirmed in presidential election years. In years in which the party in the White House uh, was different than the majority party in the Senate, only one in 10 justices were confirmed. Hence, uh, Garland in 2016, Merrick Garland. Um, and in that case, they just said, no, we're not doing it. You know, our our job is advice and consent. Nope, we don't approve of your decision. And that was consistent with precedent. I want to talk about who changed precedent. That would be the Democrats. They're the ones that started filibustering circuit court judges, not Republicans. You want to know who got rid of the the, you know, need or simple majority for the Supreme Court? That would be Harry Reid in 2013 with Obama's blessing. Not the Republicans. Now they're threatening, as I told you. What are they threatening? Stack the courts. Joe Biden won't answer that question. Joe Biden won't give us the list of names he promised to give of people he might appoint to the Supreme Court. Joe Biden, he doesn't answer questions. I guess why should he start now with 41 days to go? Let's see if he gets away with that in the debates. 
That'll begin September 29th, one week from, well, actually, it's Tuesday. It'll be this Tuesday, the first debate coming up. That's in just, what, six days. Can't wait. Going to be interesting. Um, anyway, so we, we have that going on. Um, now, Lisa Murkowski, who, you know, obviously, because of Mitt Romney, and I give Mitt Romney credit, I've been very disappointed with Mitt Romney. I've not held back my disappointment. I do not regret supporting him in 2012. I thought he had a wonderful family. He would have been a much better president, I think, than Barack Obama. I think he could have won that election had that campaign been run better. I think they took their foot off the gas at just the wrong time. And I don't know why it's inexplicable to me. Um, anyway, that one's ready. Yeah, <laughs> it's a long story here. Anyway, so Lisa Murkowski says, I'm not ruling out voting for Trump's Supreme Court pick. I don't even know who it is yet. I know everybody wants to ask the question, will you confirm the nominee? She said outside the Capitol, we don't have a nominee yet. You and I don't know who that is. And so I can't confirm whether or not. I can confirm a nominee when I don't know who the nominee is, but they, they already seem to have the votes as it as it is. Chuck Schumer, he got heckled yesterday as we played. Pretty interesting. You know, it's look, it's the same thing um, that we always see and hear. Democrats are just their hypocrisy is breathtaking. Republicans, you know, do Republicans threaten to get rid of the legislative filibuster. Do they threaten to stack the courts? Do they threaten to get rid of the Electoral College? Do they threaten to impeach the president every single day? Do they threaten to impeach the attorney general? This is all happening. This is your modern, radical, extreme, democratic, socialist party. The most extreme presidential nominee, vice presidential nominees in the, in the history of any major party in America. Um... You know, that, that's who they are. That defines them. Uh, anyway, so that's that news. Now, we have other big breaking news today, and as it relates to Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson, and Senator Charles Grassley releasing a report, what has been a long investigation into Hunter Biden's role on the board of Ukrainian natural gas firm Burisma Holdings. You're not getting the billion taxpayer dollars? Uh, unless <clears throat> the in, unless you fire a Ukrainian prosecutor, why would a vice president want to fire a Ukrainian prosecutor? Ever think about that? Dumb. Um, you know, but anyway, hang on. I got to tell somebody I'm on air. Well, why do people call me? My best friends call me when I'm on the air like it's an emergency. Anyway, so uh, Burisma Holdings and what they allege is extensive and a complex financial transaction. Uh, they found that they faced obstacles from the obstructionist Democratic Party. The chairman added that there still is a lot more work they're involved in. It's an 87-page report. The report points out that the Obama administration officials, they all knew Hunter Biden's position on the board of Burisma was problematic. It interfered with the efficient execution of policy with respect to Ukraine. And they were monitoring me in the Ukrainian embassy. I was number one on the list of 12 people being monitored. Yeah, welcome to my world. Anyway, the investigation shows the extent in which Obama administration officials ignored all of the warning signs when Vice President Biden's son, Hunter, Zero experience, Hunter, no experience, oil, gas, energy or Ukraine um, with, with respect to 
you know, executing the policy of Ukraine with the Obama administration. Biden was running the U.S.-U.K. Uh, relations and policy for the Obama administration. And even though Hunter Biden's position cast a shadow uh, in terms of advancing anti-corruption reforms in Ukraine, the committee said there were only two individuals. They raised concerns and they were shot down. One of them was that guy, George Kent, one of the hearsay witnesses in the impeachment sham uh, testified in that trial. Anyway, the report stated that Hunter Biden formed significant, consistent financial relationships with the founder of Burisma and that his and his business partners uh, also made millions and millions of dollars from that association while his father was vice president. Yeah, probably, because, well, why, why did you get the millions? I don't know. Any experience? No. Why did you get it? I don't know. Maybe because your father's the vice president? Yeah, probably. Then it goes on to describe even further revealing that they obtained financial records, U.S. Treasury Department, showing potential criminal activity relating to transactions among Hunter Biden, his family, his associates with Ukrainian, Russian, uh, Kazakhstan, and Chinese nationals. The committee stated they received records that Hunter Biden sent thousands of dollars to individuals, quote, who've either been involved in transactions consistent with possible human trafficking an association with the adult entertainment industry or potential association with prostitution. It's in the report. Some recipients of those funds are Ukrainian or Russian citizens. The report states, oh, I think that would compromise our vice president at the time. Now, wouldn't it? And the records note that it's a documented fact that Hunter Biden has sent funds to non-resident alien women in the U.S. that are citizens of Russia and Ukraine. And then, by the way, those funds, well, that were have received that funds were received from Hunter Biden to individuals located in Russia, in Ukraine. Whoopsie daisy. There's that Russia word again. And it gets worse from there. Reserve a fully staffed Supreme Court of nine. The president nominates and then the Senate advises and consents or not. But they go forward with the process. The American people expect Judge Garland, the president's nominee, to be given a fair hearing and a timely vote in the Senate. The Senate should do their job. Every day that goes by without a ninth justice is another day the American people's business is not getting done. When the Constitution is 100 percent clear, the president of the United States has the right to nominate someone to be a justice of the Supreme Court. Senate's function is to hold hearings and to vote. I think whatever a religion is, it has its own dogma. The law is totally different. And I think in, in your case, uh, Professor, when you read your speeches, um, the conclusion one draws is that the dogma lives loudly within you. And that's of concern. All right, if it's simple, man, that means it's all things BillOReilly.com. We're following many stories today. Uh, as we've been telling you throughout most of the day, we have one of the officers in the Brianna Taylor uh, shooting charged with well, multiple cases of wanton disregard and indifference towards human life. 
Uh, we'll get back to that. Also, Leo Torello's coming uh, up on that. I told you about what's happening with the Hunter Biden report. This is a devastating beatdown by Senators Ron Johnson and Charles Grassley. We are now just 41 days and you are the ultimate jury. And Bill O'Reilly, I think probably rightly saying, I noticed that you wrote, uh, I think it was on your website, which I don't have a free membership towards, so I wouldn't be able to see it myself, but apparently Linda pays for it. Uh, the next six weeks will be nasty. Mr. O'Reilly, how are you? Oh, and by the way, congratulations on the new book, another number one bestseller um, in his ki- ki- a killing series, Killing Crazy Horse. And by the way, Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere. Congratulations, sir, on that part, and uh, thanks for being back. All right, uh, and you were a large part of Killing Crazy Horse's success, and, uh, you know, I'm a grateful kind of guy. Uh, congratulations on the book, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> All right, lots of stuff going on. Number one, you know, I hate this trying very, very sad, tragic cases on television, and that's Brianna Taylor, so I just caution everybody. You, you weren't in the grand jury. You didn't hear what they had presented to them. Please, and I know this is going to fall on deaf ears. I know that people are going to come on tonight, and they're going to rip it up, and they're going to say the cops should get this or this one should get that. I just think it's horrible. It's the worst part of television news. I I believe in our system. I think that the system, particularly these days, under a microscope, everybody's watching everything. I'm not going to say the guy was guilty, the police officer, or or not guilty. I'm going to wait for the evidence to be presented to the jury. That is our system. Don't undermine our system. Um, As far as Trump... By the way, just... And, Bill, I just got to add this to it, though. I mean... It is a series of a horrific tragedy. Brianna Taylor's boyfriend thinks that, oh, my gosh, somebody just broke in our apartment and, yeah. and he has a legal gun and and he's defending. He thinks he's defending against intruders. And yeah. and then a, a gun battle breaks out. Um, it, it is heartbreaking. This woman is the epitome of everything great about an American citizen. I mean, literally dedicated her life life to saving other people's lives. It's it is heart wrenching. A series of tragic, tragic, horrific errors here. Um, that you know that really needs to be explained too. Absolutely, and fair minded Americans understand that tragedies happen every day. But when they do happen. If they are preventable, as this is, look, you got a no-knock warrant, you got to know 100% who's in that house or that building or wherever you're going. You can't... Well said. No. All right? And this is for the police. You have to know because you're bursting in. We have a Second Amendment. You are allowed to defend yourself if people come into your home and you don't know who they are. So you have to know. And they didn't know in Louisville. And that was the genesis of the whole thing. Uh, You want to talk a little politics? 41 days, Mr. O'Reilly. Two new polls out. I was kind of shocked. It was by ABC, Washington Post. Donald Trump is leading in Florida by a pretty healthy margin and Arizona. And I still to this day do not believe Donald Trump can be polled accurately by the mob. Uh, That poll doesn't mean anything, even though it's favorable to the president, because none of the polls mean anything today. A week from today, and I'm so happy I'm going to be talking to you after the debate next Wednesday. I'm so happy I'm going to be doing that. A week from today, the polls will start to matter. 
because Americans are going to get a look. They're going to get a look at the two guys, all right? And they'll be under pressure, both of them, because Wallace is no cupcake guy. I love that phrase. All right, he's going to ask him tough questions because he's got a legacy to live up to, which is his father, who is the best broadcast journalism in the history of this country. Um, so anyway, we're going to get a good look, a 90-minute look at both of them. And in that context, people will solidify their vote. So this, to me, the debate next Tuesday is the most important day of the presidential campaign, and it will get the biggest audience, I predict, of any presidential debate in history. I agree with you. I think the expectations for Biden are extraordinarily low. However, um, I, I do think Chris is going to ask both sides questions. One of the two has never really been asked a lot of tough questions. But Hannity, he's not going to that, of course, being Biden. Yeah, but neither of them are going to answer the question. This is why the debate um, system is counterproductive to any kind of clarity. So, all right, you and I have both done this kind of stuff for our whole careers. We've interviewed people. We've had two people on at once. We try to balance out the questioning. But here, Wallace asked Trump the first question because he's a president. All right, and Trump gets two minutes to reply uninterrupted. So Wallace can't do what I do, be obnoxious and say, hey, you pinhead, you're not listening, you're not answering your question. He can't do that. Can't do what I did to Barney Frank. He can't jump it. So Trump, yeah, he might answer it, but maybe he won't answer it. Or maybe he'll answer it for 10 seconds, and the, uh, the next 110 seconds, he'll say what he wants. You can count on Biden doing that. So Biden gets a tough question he, he can't process, and he's not going to answer it. He's just going to start to babble, and that's what you're going to see. But then, after they're finished babbling, both of them, Wallace then has a little room, and that's where we'll see if Wallace is perceptive enough to go in and say, hey, you didn't answer the question. This is the point that the American people need to know. You want another shot at it. You got to be almost that obnoxious to get these guys to really play into what you're doing, because both of them have an agenda. They'll both be rehearsed. They'll both have things they want to say. But you know what? I, I my advice to both candidates is don't even worry about Chris Wallace. You're you're going to go after your opponent, and Trump is a genius at that. We all remember what he did to little Marco, what he did to Lion Ted, what he did to Jeb Bush, boring Jeb. You know he can bring it. No low can... low energy Jeb. Keep your keep your adjectives straight, Mister O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but by the way, he did it very he did it very effectively. He threw them off. He threw them all off their game, particularly um, Mr. Bush, Governor Bush. He threw them off. Now, if he can do that to Biden, if Trump can do it to Biden, because Wallace won't. Wallace will ask him a standard question. All right? And then you'll see what kind of mental acuity Biden has. You're going to have to be quick. You're going to have to be fast on your feet if President Trump decides to go after you and ask you questions, which I would do. If I were President Trump, I would say, okay, Chris, here's the answer to your question, but I got a question for the former vice president. Boom! Because Wallace can't stop you. He can't stop you. You can do it. And that. See, here's my take on how Joe Biden is being prepared for this debate. 
He's going to have every topic. He's going to have three talking points. And if he memorizes the three points, he'll regurgitate them again and again and again. And 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 I think, you know, I think you're right. I think it, it, and I think it's a very hard job for Chris or anybody else moderating a debate. I thought he did the best job the last time. That was my opinion uh, in terms of being balanced in this. Um, but I, you know, I, I, but we really they're they're designed to be joint press conferences, but they can't control it completely. There's going to be some give and take. And I think this is where now we're going to see pressure points brought to bear on Biden that we've never seen before. And I'm not predicting whether he's going to do good or bad. He survived Kamala Harris destroying him in that debate, just destroyed him. And Listen, and the key to it is this. Um, if Joe Biden has clarity that day, then he's not going to hurt himself very badly because the people who hate Trump are going to hate Trump no matter what Trump does. I mean, we're talking about the very maybe five to eight percent of persuadables who are going to make the difference in this election. These are the people that are going to be watching. But if Joe Biden has a bad day, if he's off his game, all right, it's over. Trump wins. Did you see, I'm sure you did, the town hall on CNN uh, where Biden and Anderson Cooper, you saw that, right? That was, uh, you want to talk about cupcake interviews? That was a oh, cupcake interview. Go. But here, here, I tweeted, and I, I've got, you know, almost 4 million Twitter followers. That's amazing. I think it's because of the dog. But I tweeted, I said, Biden knows the subject matter. Bill, it's not, I'm not, you, it is because of the dog, Bill. Let's yeah, be honest. you got to be All right, I, I'm only teasing. All right, hold that thought. I'm not trying to yeah. interrupt you here. I just I want to get to the uh, this spot we got to do. We're in the, by the way, we're in the swamp today. Uh, we're in the sewer. We're in Washington, D.C. We have Leo Terrell on the Breonna Taylor case. Uh, more updates on the Supreme Court. We have our investigation. Wow. Ron Johnson and Charles Grassley. These developments, Hunter Biden, Burisma devastating and this will be a part of this campaign right as we continue bill o'reilly is with us all things simple man bill uh now a number one bestseller again killing crazy horse's latest book in his killing series you know one day it's going to be killing hannity i can't wait for that version um but anyway uh, all right let, let's go back to the debate and and the prep that you would offer them. Now, that is... I just want to make this point about Biden and CNN, where where we left it um, when the break started. I tweeted out, Biden knows the subject matter. He knows in advance. And about a minute after that tweet went out, I got hammered by the organized far-left cadre. And I said, aha, they know. They know. So what CNN did was it made a deal with the Biden campaign, said we can't tell you the questions um, like Hillary Clinton got the questions last last four years ago on a CNN debate. We can't do that. But here are the areas, because they had to vet the people. And, you know, you can't not vet people on live TV. What if somebody has Tourette syndrome? So anyway, and the reason I knew that was because Biden gave this answer, and I'm sure you remember it, about chicken manure creating jobs. Do you remember that? And I, I went, do. What? What? <laughs> Who would ever in a million years bring that in unless they knew that that question or that line of questioning was coming? All right, prep. All right, if you're, if you're on a Trump side, you want him to make four positive points and four negative points because you've got 90 minutes. 
All right. So the four positive points are what he's done in the economy, what he's done to ISIS, uh, what he's done in general for the country before COVID. You want to stay away from COVID. All right. You're going to have to mention it because that's where Biden's going. Biden's going to the COVID, your fault, you killed all the people. You already heard him say it. All right. But you don't want to make that the centerpiece. You want to make the centerpiece that we had a vibrant, robust economy. We're going to have it again. The vaccine will be out soon. As soon as it's out, bang, we go into motion. And if you vote for Democrats, they're not going to take you there at all. In fact, we'll go into a a recession. That's Trump. Biden basically has to come across as a guy who's going to calm the waters in the country. So if I'm advising Biden, I said, you're the calm presence. All right. So you don't get too nasty. Don't get dismissive because Donald Trump has a large following, whether the far left wants to admit it or not. Many millions of Americans like him. Don't dismiss him. You come across as, I'm going to calm everything down, COVID, the economy, race relations. I'm the guy that can do that. And that's how I advise both of them. All right, Bill O'Reilly, thanks so much for being with us. We'll have you on one day after the debate next week. Uh, BillOReilly.com, Killing Crazy Horse, now the latest number one uh, book in his, his killing series. Uh, it's on Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, Hannity.com. Thanks, Bill, for being with us. Appreciate it. Uh, now, a lot of news we've got to get to. We're going to update you on the Breonna Taylor case. We're going to update you on the Burisma investigation. We're going to update you on the Supreme Court as we continue from the swamp. He draws his inspiration from U.S. soldiers and the brave men and women who wear the blue. The warriors who never run from a fight. They run to it. And in this fight, to save the soul of our country, it's time to wake the silent majority. Let this moment radicalize you. The battle lines are drawn, the mission is clear, and the time is upon us. With your help on November 3rd, Republicans are going to win the House, win the Senate, and again win the White House. When the brave are prepared, there's no battle we can't win. Let's do this. Suit up, chin down, and he'll take the lead. This is the Sean Hannity Show. Senator Cruz, good morning. Those were your words four years ago. You don't believe that anymore? 
Well, good morning. It's, it's good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Uh, you, you know, it's interesting. If you look at the debate four years ago, every single political player has switched positions. I looked at your clip of politicians from 2016. You know who you didn't play? Joe Biden. You didn't pay, play Hillary Clinton. You didn't play Nancy Pelosi. You didn't play Chuck Schumer. Why? Because every one of them is saying exactly the opposite of what they're saying now. Everyone has switched positions. And so the whole, the whole promo you're pushing about hypocrisy, if you want to say it, you could say everybody involved in this is a hypocrite. Thinking about uh, the Supreme Court, because we've lost that battle. Now, I don't want to talk about the Republicans anymore. The fear of this will destroy the Senate, this will destroy the Senate, I would say it's sort of like people saying, hey, climate change is coming. No, it's not coming. It's here. The Senate. It has been destroyed as we know it. Boycott the hearing, not take meetings with the nominee. So we want to see the Senate Democrats fight this nominee tooth and nail. No matter what happens, everybody sticks to the We're going to have team. to blow up the entire system. You're going to have to get rid of the Electoral College. Because the people... I don't see it. Uh, because the, the minority in this country decides who the judges are and they decide who the president is. is well, you that, need a is constitutional amendment to do that. And if Democrats, if Joe Biden wins... Democrats can sack the courts and they can do that amendment and they can get it passed. All right, 24 uh, now to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. You know, there's a big difference and a big distinction here. Now, there is a precedent where 29 times, and this cannot, you know, be negated here in this debate, 29 times during presidential election years, we have had uh, presidents of the United States, all 29 times it happened, make appointments in an election year to the U.S. Supreme Court if there is a vacancy. All right. Now, when the party of the president is also the majority party in the Senate, 17 of the 19 times that that scenario played out, that the, the, the nominee was confirmed. Now, in 10 cases, you had a president in one party and you had a Senate majority of the other party. In that case, only one of the 10 nominees was confirmed, which actually would point out what happened in 2016. I'm not sure you're comparing apples to apples, oranges to oranges, because um, precedent matters. Well, why didn't they have a vote on Merrick Garland? Because they didn't want Merrick Garland to be on the court. You know, Mitt Romney, of all people, I can't believe I'm quoting him um, because I've been pretty disappointed in Mitt Romney. I supported wholeheartedly Mitt Romney in 2012. I thought he'd be a much better president than Barack Obama. I stand by my endorsement of him today. And, you know, and and it's just interesting to watch his evolution because he seems to be, except for now, maybe, maybe now, I don't know, maybe he understands. Maybe he's held on to this principle that that conservatives like constitutionalists and originalists on the court. In other words, those that don't legislate from the bench, those that don't ne negate co-equal branches of government, those that believe that you're supposed to have checks and balances because liberals, what they could never get done legislatively, what they could never get done at the ballot box. They've always hoped that they'd stack the courts with activist justices that would usurp the power of the legislative branch and the executive branch and, and rule from the bench through executive fiat. And that has always been their hope. Now, more and more, it looks like it's going to be Amy Coney Barrett, uh, who is a, an unbelievably well-qualified candidate for the U.S. Supreme Court. Is Chuck Schumer ever going to like it? No. 
But now the fact that we're now getting to, let's see, we're going to threaten to stack the courts and Joe Biden won't answer that question. Well, I'm going to imagine between now and Tuesday when he debates President Trump, he's going to have to answer that question. He said he was going to give us a list of names. He said he was leaning towards African-American women uh, that he would appoint to the U.S. Supreme Court. I think he should be transparent. But again, Joe never answers questions. Joe's day is usually done at 9 or 10 a.m. And then he's resting west and we waxation the rest of the day. Takes it easy. I'm sure he's doing debate prep all day long. All right, Joe, no, no, no. There's only three things you got to memorize on every topic. If you do that, you'll be good. And I'm sure he's going to memorize his lines well. And, you know, now the question is, is can he take those three points, four points, maybe if he's lucky, and memorize it and stick it in his brain and, you know, regurgitate them back and, you know, maintain that regurgitation for two whole minutes at a time. Then hopefully, you know, he might have. Oh, he was great. He was presidential. Oh, he survived. That's what the left was really hoping for, that he survives. Um, And that's what's at stake here. But there's a lot of other issues at stake. Uh, By the way, uh, Ted Cruz is going to join us in a minute. Also, we have uh, Leo Terrell is going to weigh in on the happenings in Louisville. And there's been protesting going on all day since they announced only one of the police officers, three officers in the case. Brett Hankinson is his name, uh, was charged with, well, three separate counts. Uh, one wanton endangerment uh, in the first degree, which is under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to human life. He was the officer that fired 10 shots um, and they're claiming that he wantonly shot the gun in the apartment occupied uh, that where Breonna Taylor lost her life that night. Count two, wanton endangerment in the first degree. Basically the same count, but different person. Count three, wanton endangerment in the first degree. And that the above name defendant, Brett Hankinson, committed a wanton uh, endangerment in the first degree. Uh, Now, there were other charges they could have made. They didn't make any charges for the other officers. What do we learn? Now, the gun that Breonna Taylor's boyfriend had was was legal. And so he thought somebody was there to cause them harm, which would not be an unreasonable conclusion. Uh, But more facts need to come out in the case. And anyway, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend did fire first. That's not in dispute. And a shootout, you know, happens right there in the apartment. She had just woken up from a sound sleep. This is, a, you know, an incredible person with, you know, she's out there working two jobs. And as an EMT healthcare provider, it's her dream. She loves serving other people. So sad. And, you know, I understand some people might disagree with the verdict, but okay, you knock down the door and, and shots are being fired in your direction. What's, who do you blame there? It is a series of tragedy to me. Tragic errors. Inexplicable on so many levels. Um, and But that's where we are. Now we have the Supreme Court battle going on. Lisa Murkowski said that she can't rule out voting for the president's Supreme Court pick. And she said she wouldn't rule that out. Uh, I know everybody wants to ask the question, will you confirm the nominee? She said outside the Capitol, as her Republican colleagues were gathering for their weekly policy lunch, we, we don't have a nominee yet. You and I don't know who that is, and so I can't confirm whether or not 
I can confirm a nominee when I don't know who the nominee is. Sounds like the door is opening a little bit. And maybe Lisa Murkowski is hearing from the people of Alaska that uh, they want constitutionalists on the U.S. Supreme Court. It was fun watching Chucky Schumer yesterday get heckled uh, during his Supreme Court comments. That was pretty interesting. Uh, And it's amazing to listen to Democrats. What are they threatening to do? Now they're threatening to stack the court. They're threatening to move forward with eliminating the Electoral College. By the way, a very difficult task, but they're saying they might want to do that. Nancy Pelosi is out there with the the arrows in her quiver that she keeps talking about. One of them being she can impeach the president for any reason, any day, every day. Like, okay, I guess that shows us where where they're headed in terms of their radicalism. Can we give her a new nickname? What, Nancy? Can we give her a new nickname? I want to call her Good Morning Nancy. Good morning. Good, mo- good morning, good, Nancy. Good morning. Why? Good, good Sunday morning. Oh, good Sunday morning, George. Good, good, right in the middle of a sentence. It was weird. That, was, not, that, that was so bizarre. That's a mental hiccup. That uh, literally was like you put your brow on too She hard. didn't have an answer of what she could do because the answer is she can do nothing. She just stole it. his face. It kind of reminds me of when you told him about Bill Ayers. It just went blank, you know? He was like, wait, Georgie who? Stephanopoulos, I'm yeah. sorry, what's happening? Oh, well, I'll ask that question. Thank you, Sean. He did ask it. Oh, he did, to his credit. To his credit. To his he credit. He ended up being the only one. It was very He's just some guy in the neighborhood, George. He's just and, a friend. Yeah, some guy. Living room. I just, uh, just happened to just, start my political career right in the middle of his house. You know, he blows stuff up with Bernadine every once in a while. It's not a big deal. You know, it's all good. Uh, anyway, so all of this, and what else are they threatening? They're threatening to end the legislative filibuster. They are threatening, oh, let's use the words to burn it down. Don Lemon. No, no, he didn't mean it. It was taken out of context. That, how, okay, it Hold wasn't on. taken out of context. He's full of crap. It was His taken out of context. was taken out of context. That's what happened. I think he probably got a phone call from the boss, and you might want to back off that you little bit of comment. Dial that back a bit, Lemon. All right, these are uh, tough, fascinating times, historic. 41 days, you're the ultimate jury. You are the ultimate jury. In spite of all the noise, and by the way, if you're going to win, win by a big margin. Because I don't really trust the same Democrats that used Russian disinformation and were involved in premeditated fraud on a FISA court. If you weren't involved in it, you, you'd never said a word about it, which means that they're perfectly fine with the, with the tactic. Senator Cruz, good morning. Those were your words four years ago. You don't believe that anymore? Well, good morning. It's, it's good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Uh, you, you know, it's interesting. If you look at the debate four years ago, every single political player has switched positions. I looked at your clip of politicians from 2016. You know who you didn't play? Joe Biden. You didn't pay, play Hillary Clinton. You didn't play Nancy Pelosi. You didn't play Chuck Schumer. Why? Because every one of them is saying exactly the opposite of what they're saying now. Everyone has switched positions. And so the whole, the whole promo you're pushing about hypocrisy, if you want to say it, you could say everybody involved in this is a hypocrite. All right, Senator Ted Cruz, I thought we had you earlier. We, we, we just did the whole segment we had put aside for you. But let's get your take on the Supreme Court in the two minutes we have. We'll rebook you for another day, Senator. Always great to have you. Well, it's great to be with you. This is the most important decision that has been before the, before the Senate in years. And, and it is the future of the Constitution, the future of the Bill of Rights. This is why the American people elected Donald Trump to nominate a strong constitutionalist. And this is why the American people elected Republican majorities in the Senate to confirm strong constitutionalists. I believe we need to get the job done before Election Day, and I think we will. I think we will have the votes, I believe. 
What are your thoughts on Amy Coney Barrett, who seems to be the front runner at this time? Well, I think Judge Barrett has uh, a strong record as an academic. Um, uh, you're right that she seems to be the front runner at this point. What what I have urged the president is to nominate uh, an individual who has a proven record of standing up as a constitutionalist and and enduring the slings and arrows and criticisms that that come as a consequence. That's that's been the pattern that has proven the most effective previously. Uh, as you know, I've got a book coming out next week, next Tuesday, called One Vote Away, How a Single Supreme Court Seat Can Change History. And, and there's an entire chapter in that book that discusses how uh, how Republican presidents can get these decisions right. And, and the most important mm. criterion to look for is a proven record in the face of, of withering criticism. All right, Senator, we'll have you on next Tuesday about that book. Uh, also, a little debate, you know, take, and uh, we'll be watching very closely. 29 times this has happened. All 29 times presidents made nominations. Thank you, Senator Ted Cruz, uh, for being with us. We'll talk to you next week, Senator. Live free or die, America, the world on the brink. You are the ultimate jury. 41 days. Leo Terrell will weigh in on the Breonna Taylor uh, decision from earlier today. One of the three cops indicted uh, three felony D counts. Uh, We'll get back into in a second. Uh, We've been breaking the news today, and this is huge. And that is the uh, Senate Homeland Security Committee, the Finance Committee's, They have now released an interim report that is devastating to Hunter Biden, Joe Biden and the Obama administration about extensive and complex financial transactions. Um, They talked about in this report the difficulty and obstacles they faced from Democrats not wanting them to get to the truth and and that they have a lot more work to come. But what they have discovered in this 87 page report Obama administration officials knew about Hunter Biden's position on the board of Burisma was problematic and it interfered in their in Joe's execution of policy in respect to Ukraine. The investigation showed the extent to which officials in the Obama administrations ignored all of the warning signs uh, when the vice president's son joined the board of this corrupt uh, Ukrainian oligarchs company. Uh, Hunter Biden joined Burisma at the very same time with a consulting firm, Blue Star Strategies. Uh, he admitted on Good Morning America he had no background in oil and gas or energy or even Ukraine. Uh, millions of dollars we're talking about. And this is when Vice President Joe Biden was running U.S.-Ukraine relations for the Obama administration. Um, we also know that even though Hunter Biden's position on the board cast a shadow over all these things, the committee's. You know, there only two people were brave enough to raise their concerns with superiors, and they were ignored. One of them, by the way, was George Kent, who you may remember from the impeachment uh, sham of the Democrats. Uh, it went into significant, consistent financial relationships as it relates to Hunter Biden and Burisma and its and its founders. And also millions of dollars made in association from that association with the father in charge of the money for the country, our country with them. And then you remember this this brag of Joe Biden's. I said, you got six hours, son of a bee. They did it. They fired him. Listen, I said, I'm not going to we're not going to give you the billion dollars. 
They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. Son of a bee. Why would a vice president in charge of Ukraine want a prosecutor in Ukraine fired? Well, he was investigating his zero experience son being paid millions. They also found uh, financial transactions with the with Hunter Biden, his family and associates with Ukraine, uh, Russian, uh, Chinese nationals. Thousands of dollars sent to individuals either involved in transactions consistent with possible human trafficking and association with the adult entertainment industry or potential association even with prostitution. Some recipients of these funds, they were Ukrainian or Russian citizens, and they actually were sending funds to non-resident alien uh, women in the U.S. who are citizens from Russia and Ukraine. And they subsequently sent the money back to their countries, and it gets worse from there. Now, Peter Schweitzer broke uh, this book in his, his best-selling uh, book. Uh, by the way, a new film he's now promoting regarding all this, Riding the Dragon, Exposing the Biden Family Ties to China. Uh, all, he exposed all of this in his, his book uh, that he released, I guess it was about a year or two ago. John Solomon, editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com. He's been all over this now for a couple of years and Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst. Peter, you broke the story first that I saw, um, and it went further from there. Let's talk about what you read today. Uh, yeah, I think the uh, report is uh, is amazing. Um, it not only builds on uh, the reporting that I did, that John has done, and uh, some of the analysis that Greg has provided, uh, but there's there's a lot of new information here. I mean, the news media is trying to spin it as there's nothing new here. You have just, for example, just one nugget, three and a half million dollars sent to Hunter Biden's firm by Yelena Baderina, uh, who is a Russian oligarch. We, we knew that there had been hints that there was a possible relationship there, uh, but we now have confirmation that in 2014, she sent three and a half million dollars to Hunter Biden. And what's important to note here, Sean, is, I mean, this is a, a woman who is known to be connected to Russian organized crime. You can find State Department cables on it. You can find all kinds of public information. It's an indication of the type of business they were doing and who they were dealing with. So uh, a bombshell of a report, no question about it in my mind. And by the way, all of it you chronicled, and it is now corroborated uh, from your book, Secret Empires. John Solomon, you spent two years doing this. And at times, I've got to admit, I'd say to you, John, we already know there was a quid pro quo with Joe and zero experience Hunter, but you kept digging deeper than, than I even was paying attention to. It is remarkable. And just think about this. We impeached, uh, the Democrats impeached President Trump for asking for an investigation into these very activities. We spent three years investigating Don Trump Jr. because he took a single meeting with a Russian lawyer. Hunter Biden took three and a half million dollars from a Russian oligarch identified in U.S. congressional legislation as someone who got her fortunes from corrupt practices. The very we, board. You go ahead. That Hunter Biden. Yeah. The very board, that, the very company that Hunter Biden was serving on the board at the moment he was serving on the board, allegedly paid a seven million dollar bribe to you, the Ukrainian prosecutors, who, by the way, were being supervised by Joe Biden and the Obama administration. If these things had happened in the Trump administration, they'd be on the front page of the New York Times, leading breaking news flashes on CNN. And today, the corrupt 
willfully ignorant U.S. media are ignoring these incredible revelations. And I wasn't the only one concerned about them. Peter wasn't the only one concerned about it. Senior officials in the Treasury Department and State Department of Barack Obama's administration raised these red flags four years ago, and they fell on deaf ears. This is a scandal that will not get out unless the American media steps up to the plate and finally does its job. Greg Jarrett, from a legal perspective, I mean, on something that was basically made up with the Zelensky call, we now have real evidence of real impeachable offenses. Uh, if Joe Biden, God forbid, ever won this election in 41 days based on Democrats' own, quote, standards. That's right. John Sullivan and Peter Schweitzer are right all along. Here's the quote that jumps out from the report. Financial transactions identified as potential criminal activity by Hunter Biden. Did the FBI investigate? We don't know because the FBI stonewalled those two Senate committees and they won't say. Another reason why I've long argued that Christopher Wray needs to be fired. Uh, And the other part of the equation is that $4 million from Burisma went to Hunter Biden at the very time the company, Burisma, is pressuring the U.S. to pressure Ukraine to shut down the corruption investigation of Burisma. Who applied the pressure? Joe Biden. And Obama administration officials, according to this report, not only ignored the evidence and the warnings, but, but they turned a blind eye to the potential extortion risks and undue influence that could have been applied to Joe Biden. So this is a blockbuster report. You know, I know the world is paying a lot of attention, and rightly so, to what's happening with this Breonna Taylor case. I know everybody's talking a lot about the presidential election. Uh, I know all of that is true. And, you know, but this is corruption at a, at a, on a level and a degree that is unconscionable to me. You know, Peter Schweitzer, when did you finally put out Secret Empires? Because it's been a while we've been covering this. And, and you came on, I think, my show first and broke this story. You're absolutely right, Sean. Uh, it came in March of 2018. You were the first one uh, to interview me on this. So uh, I think really it has the attention and focus because you took an interest in it. And look, the reason I take an interest in corruption, I think the reason you take an interest in, in exposing this stuff is, We're a representative government, and the question is, when we elect somebody, who are they actually representing? If they're engaged in corrupt relationships, people that have made them money, that they need to cover up, that can be embarrassed, that can extort them or can bribe them to curry favor, what that means is you elect a corrupt politician, they're not really representing you. They're representing the people that are putting money in their pockets. So what I would say is this is a central issue, should be a part of the central conversation we're having today, because corruption to me goes at the very heart of the representative government that we're supposed to have. And the Bidens have avoided answering any questions about this. They have lied repeatedly about the extent of the relationship. Uh, And I think it's incumbent upon the media now to ask them very hard, serious questions, the kind of questions that they've asked the Trumps, that they've asked other political figures, but seem reluctant to ask Joe Biden. I I, I just where is this now going? Because we're just at the interim report level. Now it's going to be who knew what, when, what did they know? When did they know it? Why didn't they speak out? How many fact witnesses will emerge here, John Solomon? And, And how deep does it go with Russia? How deep does it go with China? 
last week I put a whole bunch of documents into the public domain that I obtained under my lawsuits under FOIA. And the most interesting thing that hasn't been picked up yet substantially is that the Obama-Biden National Security Council was on a first-name basis, first-name basis, with one of Burisma's top executives, a guy named Vadim uh, Politarsky. Why was the White House and the National Security Council in contact with a Burisma official? Why was the State Department so acutely aware of everything Burisma was doing? Here's the question that Joe Biden has to answer. He has to be confronted. And if the Trump administration has any documents on this, they should release it immediately. Did Joe Biden, any time in his time as vice president, have any meetings with Burisma officials, there would be no reason for the White House to know the Burisma officials unless someone in the upper echelons of the White House knew and had contacts with Burisma. It wasn't just Hunter Biden. Joe Biden has to answer. It's a simple question. Yes or no. Did you ever meet with anyone associated with Burisma? I think he owes us that I'll, I'll add one thing, John. I want to know yep. any transcripts of any phone calls that the vice president Great might have had with, with high-ranking officials in Russia, China, or Ukraine. I think that would be a fair question. And if it's good for Donald Trump to release them, let's release them here. All right. Final thoughts. Peter Schweitzer, John Solomon, Greg Jarrett. Uh, We're watching the protesting has gotten louder. The crowds have gotten bigger in Louisville, Kentucky, in response to the grand jury decision from earlier today. Um, One officer, three separate counts, wanton disregard, endangerment issues. Uh, Nobody charged directly in the death of Breonna Taylor. Um, Obviously, it's it's a very hot environment there. Prayers are with the people in Louisville tonight. I hope people are peaceful. I hope I hope people, you know, respect other people and their property and innocent people are are not hurt here. It's getting scary. We continue. uh, Greg Jarrett and Peter Schweitzer. Uh, Peter Schweitzer did a great job based on the key findings that we discovered today in his book, Secret Empires. Greg Jarrett breaking down the the legal side of this on the legal side. Where do you see vulnerability for Joe Biden and other potentially, you know, obviously Hunter Biden and Obama administration officials? I think both Joe Biden and Hunter Biden need to be put under oath. You you have played the soundbite of Joe Biden bragging. Uh, about what uh, looks to me like extortion and bribery and pressuring for the firing uh, of the prosecutor who was looking into Burisma. So, you know, there has to be, it would seem, how did he communicate that demand, that extortion uh, to the Ukrainians? Well, there's got to be a a tape recording. So uh, (laughs) we should hear the tape and see the transcript of that, and he should be put under oath. You know, you did a great job and a great service to the country, Peter Schweitzer. You got to feel a bit vindicated today. But with all that said, I mean, nobody on the left is ever held accountable, are they? I mean, it is beyond frustrating to me and Greg and John and everybody. Well, thank you, Sean. Um, Yeah, it is very frustrating. Um, But I think we have to continue to press on. I get people that email me sometimes and say, you know, look, I'm kind of giving up uh, because nothing ever happens. Uh, the point is, is that we need to continue to expose this stuff. And I, I, I agree with Greg. I mean, there's no reason why the Senate uh, could not say, Hunter Biden, you need to come up here and we're going to put you under oath and you better bring documents and material with you. 
uh, and, and also Joe Biden, for that matter, because one of the things the Senate report makes clear is that, you know, he altered his behavior because of his son's commercial ties to Burisma. And we know that it influenced his policy towards China. Uh, and there's a whole host of other countries we haven't even got to. I mean, this was a, a veritable United Nations of corruption uh, that Hunter Biden was running. And we need to get to the bottom of it, expose it. Uh, the American people need to know about it. All right. Great job, Peter Schweitzer, Greg Jarrett, John Solomon, who had to jump after the last break. Thank you all. When we come back, we're still monitoring the happenings in Louisville as we speak uh, in reaction to the grand jury decision in the Breonna Taylor case. Leo Terrell weighs in next as we continue. We're in the swamp. We're in D.C. It's going to be an interesting Hannity. Nine Eastern. We hope you'll always set your DVR to join us. We'll continue. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. He draws his inspiration from U.S. soldiers and the brave men and women who wear the blue. The warriors who never run from a fight, they run to it. And in this fight to save the soul of our country, it's time to wake the silent majority. Let this moment radicalize you. The battle lines are drawn, the mission is clear, and the time is upon us. With your help on November 3rd, Republicans are going to win the House, win the Senate, and again win the White House. When the brave are prepared, there's no battle we can't win. Let's do this. Suit up, chin down, and he'll take the lead. This is The Sean Hannity Show. After hearing the evidence from our team of prosecutors, the grand jury voted to return an indictment against Detective Hankinson for three counts of wanton endangerment for wantonly placing the three individuals in apartment three in danger of serious physical injury or death. The charge of wanton endangerment in the first degree is a class D felony. And if found guilty, the accused can serve up to five years for each count. Kentucky law states that a person is guilty of wanton endangerment in the first degree when under circumstances manifesting in indifference to the value of human life, he wantonly engages in conduct which creates a substantial danger of death or serious physical injury to another person. My office is prepared to prove these charges at trial. However, it's important to note that he is presumed innocent until proven guilty. Our investigation showed, and the grand jury agreed, that Mattingly and Cosgrove were justified in the return of deadly fire after having been fired upon by Kenneth Walker. Let me state that again. According to Kentucky law, the use of force by Mattingly and Cosgrove was justified to protect themselves. This justification bars us from pursuing criminal charges in Miss Brianna Taylor's death. I know that many in Louisville and across the Commonwealth and country have been anxiously awaiting the completion of our investigation into the death of Miss Brianna Taylor. Prior to this announcement, I spoke with Ms. Palmer, Brianna Taylor's mother, uh, to share with her the results from the grand jury. Many of you in this room know that I had the opportunity last month 
to meet in person with her and other members of Ms. Taylor's family, including Ms. Bianca Austin and Ms. Janiah Palmer. I want to once again publicly express my condolences. Every day, this family wakes up to the realization that someone they loved is no longer with them. There's nothing I can offer today to wake, take away the grief and heartache this family is experiencing as a result of losing a child, a niece, a sister, and a friend. The above-named defendant, Brett Hankison, committed the offense of wanton endangerment in the first degree when, under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to human life, he wantonly shot a gun, a gun, excuse me, into the apartment occupied by initials C.E. Count two, wanton endangerment in the first degree. On or about March 13, 2020, in Jefferson County, Kentucky, the above-named defendant, Brett Hankison, committed the offense of wanton endangerment in the first degree. When, under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to human life, he wantonly shot a gun into the apartment occupied by initials C.N. Count three, wanton endangerment in the first degree. On or about March 13, 2020, the Jefferson County, in Jefferson County, Kentucky, the above-named defendant, Brett Hankison, committed the offense of wanton endangerment in the first degree when, under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to human life, he wantonly shot a gun into an apartment occupied by initials ZF against the peace and dignity of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Mr. Foreperson, is that the decision of the grand jury? Thank you. All right. That was uh, from earlier today. That was the judge in the Breonna Taylor case announcing one of the three officers, Brett Hankinson, committing wanton endangerment in the first degree under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to human life. There were a whole series of charges. The the state D.A. went through all of this, apparently, with the grand jury. There is a lot of tragedy to go on here. Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, somebody breaks into his house, had a legal firearm. He thought he was defending himself and his family. Didn't know it was the police, apparently. And he shot one of the officers. The police then fired back. Um, and Brianna Taylor was hit eight times, and she is no longer with us. A woman with an incredible life story. Spent her whole adult life saving lives. EMT, two full-time jobs, loved by everybody. Uh, now the question is, we've been watching these protests in Louisville growing all day throughout the day. Um, I see people look at this. I'm looking at it right now. Guys with, you know, they have their guns out. Uh, I'm not feeling good about what I see. And, and I said this with guys in tactical gear that showed up with their weapons drawn and their rifles drawn in the Michigan State House. You know, it, it heightens tensions. Um, and this crowd has been growing by the minute. Leo Terrell, civil rights attorney, is with us. Um, Leo, we, you're, you're a lawyer. You're a civil rights activist. You got all of this behind you. This is one of the most, the, the, one of the saddest cases I've ever heard. I always don't rush to judgment. I wasn't there to hear all the evidence. The grand jury is presented usually just one side of the argument. There's no defense put, put up. Um, all of the options in terms of possible charges, 
Uh, for example, the criminal four criminal homicide offenses in Kentucky from murder to manslaughter in the first degree, manslaughter, second degree, reckless homicide. And then you get down to what is a considered a class D felony, wanton endangerment in the first degree. That's actually class D um, or wanton endangerment in the second degree. That would be a class A misdemeanor. Um, when you look at the facts of this case and you look at the grand jury's decision, what you know? What are your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you right now, Sean. You do an excellent job of summarizing all the facts for your listeners. And this is in my wheelhouse. I'm a civil rights attorney for 30 years. I sued police officers, and I'll tell you right now, you're 100 percent correct. This is a tragedy. When you look at the death of Breonna Taylor, you're absolutely right. What I'm upset about on the point of what's going to happen in Louisville tonight, throughout the country, when you have social media influencer. Ben Crump sending out a tweet saying this is injustice, even though he picked up a a $12 million check on behalf of the family last week. Here's the legal issue. Breonna Taylor's boyfriend fired the weapon at the officers, struck the officers. The officers have a legal right to respond to defend themselves, self-defense. And that self-defense argument negates any, any intent to murder Breonna Taylor, that's why the murder charges, the manslaughter charges are out the window. You cannot have it. The officers have a legitimate legal right to fire their weapon. The charge against the one officer because he shot recklessly, it's almost, almost like driving drunk uh, in a car. If you notice, the charges were because he fired his weapon and it entered the other apartment. The bottom line is and this is what's going to enrage people. There is no murder charge, no culpability for the death of Breonna Taylor. And so these three wanted charges are against the officer firing his weapon that went into other apartments. Overall tragedy, overall Black Lives Matter will use this to exploit the race card, and we're going to be having to cross our fingers, hoping that we have a calm evening in Louisville. Well, it's not looking good. We've been watching no. these videos all day, and and, and 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 this look. You're talking about the embodiment of of what makes America great. Breonna Taylor is a devoted her life and said so. That it was her passion, her calling in life to save other people. EMT, work two jobs, amazing, loved by everybody that knew her. I mean, now now when the law intersects in this mess, you know, what is a grand jury to do? Uh, well, I'll tell you, Sean, and I'll use one of the phrases that you have coined. Breonna Taylor is, was a great American. She, she spent her life saving lives. She is a, a, a model citizen. It is a tragedy. One thing that we did learn by listening to the attorney general uh, there is a civilian witness who did hear the officers announce that they were police officers. But again, what people will refuse to understand, those who want to create chaos, is that these officers were fired upon and they have a legal right to defend themselves. Here's the other hitch. you got a Rand Paul who's trying to eliminate no-knock warrant, and he's attacked by these Black Lives Matter protesters. you got Tim Scott and the president trying to get police reform to get rid of that one or one and a half percent of bad officers. You have the Democrats blocking this. So what do we learn from this? Where do we go from this? We try to improve the system to weed out bad officers. 
But what's going to happen is you're going to have these social media influencers, uh, profiteers, and Black Lives Matter who's going to profit from this and burn down cities. And that is wrong. we got to look forward. And what is forward is we have to accept that we're a nation of laws. The attorney general laid out all the facts, and we have to ask for calm and peace and reform. But that's not what we're going to get from the extreme left, John Hannity. Do you see a racial component here, which I think many people are making the point that it seems like it is? Do, do you see it? Do I see? No, no, I don't, I don't see it. But for Black Lives Matter, they got the perfect storm. Three white officers, two black individuals. They love this. Do I see any racial animus in these officers executing their warrant? No, I don't. I, I absolutely don't. And I believe that that grand jury and this attorney general who is black would have followed that because they did a thorough investigation. They cooperated with the FBI and they're doing an ongoing investigation. So I don't see any racial animus from the officers, but that will not stop Black Lives Matter and the extremist group because the scenario of white officers, black victims, that's what they want. Black on black crime. They don't care about black police officers. They don't care about this is what they like, and this is what's going to cause or ignite the, 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 the rioting and the chaos for the next couple of nights. I hope I'm wrong on that issue. Uh, look, we'll know very soon. They have a curfew that's supposed to go into place uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. That's when I come up on the air. You'll be on the show tonight. And, and I wish I could report that I'm not feeling good considering it, the crowds that have grown by the second all afternoon as we've been on the air here today. I, I don't feel good about the odds there. I don't. I don't. You're, 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 I don't feel good either. Look, the federal government boarded up federal buildings. There's a curfew. It's going to be ignored. The streets are clear as far as driving the, the streets in Louisville. There are going to be people who are going to be fueled. And again, I want to say this for all your listeners. There are so-called agitators who are tweeting, who are using social media to show their outrage. Come out and burn and loot. It doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help Breonna Taylor. It doesn't help her legacy. It doesn't help it at all. And there's a distinction between Breonna Taylor and, and Jacob Blake and, and George Floyd. And you know what it is? It's what you said earlier. This woman was a great American. She saved lives. She was in her own home. That's the tragic part of it. You see it. I see it. But agitators are going to use it to exploit and justify the burning and looting. And that's offensive to me. Well, it is to me, too. And, you know, you think we could all unite. I, I don't know. You know, the, I've, I've always talked about what are the alternatives. All right. I'd like to see more training for police officers. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd like to see nonlethal alternatives, more more martial arts training. You know how into martial arts I am. You know, I, I've talked about this yes. burner gun, you know, which shoots pepper balls, uh, sprays and tear gas. You know, I'd like cops to have it. Um, but it's not going to bring back Brianna Taylor, is it? It's sad. No, and it's, it's not. It, it's they're not, not going to be able to undo this. But I got to run, Leo. Um, thank you as always for being with us. Appreciate it. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, if you want to be a part of the program, set your DVR. I mean, my prayers are with the people of Louisville tonight. I'm with this country. We really need to stop and end this madness, this violence. It's not going to be. That's not the answer. It's not helping anybody to burn down stores and loot. And hurt innocent people. Very scary times. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, a lot obviously going on still in Louisville uh, as uh, we get reaction from the grand jury decision. 
Uh, in the Brianna Taylor case, we got our Burisma investigation. This is a beatdown of Hunter and Joe Biden. They're not going to avoid this news, uh, even even with the Brianna Taylor uh, issue also in the news tonight. We'll have coverage of everything. Uh, the latest in the battle for the Supreme Court. Looks like the president has the votes. We'll have full coverage of all of that. It's 41 days till Election Day. This the defining tipping point election in our lifetime. Uh, we'll have the best uh, radio and TV coverage every night between now and then and beyond. Anyway, we'll see you tonight. Set your DVR, 9 Eastern, Hannity and Fox. We'll be live as the curfew supposedly goes into effect. And we'll see you tonight. We'll be back here tomorrow. Thank you, as always, for being with us. Tomorrow, 40 days till you're the ultimate jury. Thanks for being with us.